Okay, not quite the uh, entrance to the State of the Union tea you're used to, but uh, welcome to the second annual State of the Unity address. And I'm glad that you're all here, all the dignitaries, and you accepted your invitation, and you're sitting in high places, and that's good. So uh, I want to just go through some things together and, uh, and hopefully encourage you and then uh, empower you, uh, convict you, then empower you to go and change the world uh, for, the sake of, for the sake of Jesus. Uh, I want to give you some stats from last year, from 2017, according to, uh, to some things to celebrate, really, really uh, that happened here at First Baptist Church Lovington, New Mexico. Uh, we'll start with probably the thing that's going to get the most applause, I'm sure. Uh, but, but last year, 2017, we quadrupled the number of baptisms from the previous year. So we had four baptisms last year, and uh, so quadrupling from the year before, and uh, we're on our way to, uh, to being in the papers, I'm sure. Because that's what it's about, right? Uh, we had over 30 adult workers uh, for Vacation Bible School, which I think is huge. Uh, the fact that we have that kind of support uh, to a ministry that's, that's really the only uh, single generational ministry that we do, though it encompasses the entire church, so it's very multi-generational, but still, to have 30 adult workers, and we won't talk about any of the, the max ages to that. Klopp and uh, Dub could find out who was the oldest there. But still, Klopp's been going to vac- vacation Bible school for a long time, right? And he still uh, needs to go again. Um, our children's home offering was over $10,000, which is incredible to support a ministry that, uh, that is well needed. And, um, and, and you already know this because you're good uh, theologians and Bible studiers, but you know that, uh, that James tells us that true religion has to do with taking care of orphans. And so, uh, so we started uh, by financially, right, taking care of orphans. Now maybe we get to physically help take care of help take care of some orphans. I think this is a win. You may not agree with it or not, but uh, we hosted several funerals last year of non-church members. So we welcomed families into our building that were hurting, that were um, you know, seeking comfort and peace, uh, let them use the building, let them use our worship center, our fellowship hall, even fed one of the families. Uh, and they, those relationships that are, have been built there, I think will be long lasting. And uh, the, uh, the conversations that happened while I was here uh, among them, and some of you were were with us um, were were not just uh, insignificant, but had I think have eternal um, implications. So I think that's that's huge. We also hired two new um, we call them pastors. You can debate about about that yourselves, but we call them pastors. Uh, we hired Kevin back in February. I mean Brian back in February, and we hired Josh in August. Or sorry, Zach. <laughs> And uh, so we are thankful that they are they are here and a part of uh, the ministry that uh, that's here. Oh, the song we sang earlier is uh, "We Won't Move Without You," and I'm hoping that that was not the case for them, that they didn't uh, you know move and become a part of this ministry without God uh, being the one that that sent them here. And I don't think that's the case. We've had some new families showing up, and I think that's huge uh, that that a family would trust. Uh, to send their kids here is one thing, but for the entire family to come and be a part of uh, what we're doing or what we think that God is doing here, I think that's a huge something really to celebrate. Uh, we kind of kicked, we ended the year in December with a, a couple things that I think are, are really worth celebrating. Our night in Bethlehem, I think, showed, uh, you know, we've, we've been talking about some, these four filters 
to really filter how we do ministry around here. And one of those things, one of those four things is unity. And I think uh, as I watched um, those who came and participated in helping uh, put together Night in Bethlehem, uh, I saw a sense of unity. And I, and I think this is, this is really simple, all right? And you're gonna, you, you may laugh at it, which, which would be fine with me. Uh, if you don't laugh at it, I'm gonna rethink what I said. Uh, but, but the unity that I saw the most of was that everyone that was participating in Night in Bethlehem was wearing a costume. And for some men, that's very difficult to do. Some it's not, but for some it's really difficult to wear to wear a costume. And so, uh, so, so I thought seeing that, seeing the people say, "Hey, we're we are on board with trying uh, to further the kingdom, trying to uh, plant seeds of the gospel, uh, trying to impact families in our community, doing something a little bit different than we've than we've done before," I think is a great sign of a sign of unity and of trust. I love the fact that we have a growing partnership with some IMB missionaries in a part of the world uh, trying to reach an unreached people group. I'll talk a little bit later uh, about that. But um, West Malaysia, where the McElravies are, in the city that they're in, they're trying to reach the Malay people. And on the world watch list, uh, as far as uh, you know, looking out for Christians who are being persecuted, the countries that are that are on that list, uh, North Korea is number one, and West Malaysia is number 23. And so we have missionaries that we are helping support through prayer, through finances, through going, through sending things to them, uh, helping them uh, try and, like Chris said Thursday night, trying to get from zero to one, meaning zero known Malay people who are believers. And our prayer is that one would come to know Christ. And so we're a part of that. And I know it doesn't, we are a part of a meaningful work, and I'm going to talk about this in just a moment. But we are part of something meaningful. And though it may seem, sometimes we get discouraged by the way it used to be and how many people used to come here. And I saw pictures just this week that reminded me how full this building used to be. And we can get discouraged over that. But when we realize that we're a part of something greater than just what meet, than just what meets here, then we can be encouraged by what God is continually doing. God has not given up. He has not stopped working. He has not stopped drawing people to himself. Though sometimes it seems like in our own little context, still God is at work. Still God is, uh, all, all authority is still his. He's still on the throne. He's still sovereign. He's, he's still all those things that we know about him. Nothing, nothing has changed about him. So the fact that we have a growing partnership with the McElravies, I think is great. And the conversation that, that Brian and Zach and I got to have with Chris on Thursday night, uh, I think was encouraging for us, but also for him to hear his heart, to hear his passion, to, to hear him say things like, we just want to see one come to know the Lord. We want the same thing here. We know there are lost people here. You know some of them by name. And we want to continue being a part of that. But to know that we are in partnership with a family who is in a part of the world where there are no known believers, um, praise God that we get to be a part of that too, that he's allowing us to be a part of that too. And the last thing I want to celebrate from 2017 just happened just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I, I don't know if you even uh, recall this or remember it all, if you were here for it or not, but... Um, one of the things I said back in January is, you know, I want to lead us towards uh, to be a church that's multicultural and multigenerational, that encompasses every person that we know in Lovington, every generation, every culture that we can have an impact on. And Christmas Eve, uh, we saw signs of that. 
uh, we, we had a service, a Christmas Eve service, a worship time together, a gathering of God's people, and some of, God, some of the people that are not God's people that have not confessed Christ as Lord, gathered here on Christmas Eve morning, ate together, and then worshiped God together. And during that time, we had 0 to 9 represented, 10 to 19 represented, 20 to 29 represented, 30 to 39 represented, 40 to 49 represented, all the generations we had represented. And it was multicultural. We had a gentleman who sang a song in Spanish about Christ, and it was a multicultural, multi-generational uh, time of, of worship gathering. And I think that's something that, that we should celebrate. I think it's something that gives us a hope, a glimpse of what heaven is going, going to be like, the things that we're striving to be, the things that we're striving to do, uh, the call that's been placed in our life, the plea of the example prayer that Christ gives us in Matthew 6 that we talked about this morning that God's will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and that we get to represent that as a, as a great thing. So we move in, we're moving into 2018. We're going to make some adjustments, uh, make some, uh, do some, run some different plays or uh, call some different calls and, and try and really extend, if God would so have it, his kingdom for his, for his glory. I want to read to you uh, from Amos. If you want to turn there, you're more than welcome. Amos chapter 7, uh, just something that uh, as I was reading through uh, last fall through the book of Amos and studying there, uh, we're reminded about something that you are all familiar with, I'm sure, uh, is this, uh, this vision that, uh, that Amos had. A- Amos chapter 7, we'll start there in verse 7 together. <clears throat> something that I don't want us to, to be a representative of, someone who's missing the mark, someone who's missing the, the line that God has, has placed. So we have this vision that's given to Amos, and he says this, uh, Amos chapter 7, verse 7, He showed me this, the Lord was standing there by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? And I replied, a plumb line. And the Lord said, I'm setting a plumb, plumb line among my people Israel, and I will no longer spare them. Isaac's high places will be deserted, and Israel's sanctuaries will be in ruins. I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Uh, God gives Amos this vision of this standard or this line that he's drawing, this plumb line, this measuring line, this line that shows um, accurate measurements, this line that's, that's giving an, an example or an idea of what God desires of us. And I don't think that, um, that God is He's more than worthy of us to give every moment of our life towards, inside the church building and outside the church building. And I don't want to be known as a group of people that miss the mark. That at the end, and you're preaching my funeral, I'm preaching your funeral, and we have to we have to make up stories about you, or you have to make up stories about me. We have to say things that you know. <laughs> he was a good guy, and he did a lot of good things, and we're trying to cover up the fact that he missed the mark. You guys know Scotty Gandy, I'm sure. You know how he's a joker. He tells funny stories, and he talked about a funeral that he spoke at, and. People got up on stage and were talking about how great this gentleman was. And he got up on stage and told the truth and said, you know, you all had a different experience than I did because I didn't think he was great at all. And he spoke the truth. And the gentleman's wife came up to him afterwards and said, you know, Scotty, you are exactly right. And, you know, of course, they looked at Scotty and everyone kind of laughs because they see him joking or whatever. But he's like, I'm just telling, telling the truth. And I don't want that for our church. I don't want that for individuals inside the church. I want us to see what God desires of us and move forward in that. 
to live lives above reproach, not just for pastors to be above that line, but for all of us to live lives above reproach, to look at look at the Sermon on the Mount or the, the commandments or the teachings of Christ and say, we want to be obedient to Christ and Christ alone. We want to see what the bottom line is. We want to see what, what's most important to Christ, and we want to be about those things. So I'm going to throw up on the, or, uh, these girls in the back who have been diligently paying attention are going to throw up on the screen for us uh, some what we'll call the framework of what we're going to be about. You, you've seen this or heard this before. Christ's completed work exists for us, and we exist for Christ. This is what we're about. We know that the completed work of Christ here on earth uh, was for us, that we might, that we might uh, be his representatives, that we might no longer be separated from God, but we might be in his presence through the blood of Jesus. So his completed work exists for us, and we exist for Christ. Who, who do you belong to? Like we talked about this morning, if Christ is Lord of your life, who is it that you belong to? You belong to Christ. So every bit of what we do inside this building and outside of this building should be under his authority. Christ's completed work exists for us, and we exist for Christ. So everything that we do, every decision that we make as a church, as a people belonging to God, everything that we do should, that, should be so that we, the people belonging to God, fulfill the mission of God to the glory of God, that he would receive glory for everything that we're doing. Everything that we think is an accomplishment or we think is a disappointment still should be to the glory, to the glory of, to the glory of God. And so, so our vision really, we'll say it again, it's the next slide, uh, for what we're doing. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? I will never give you, let's try and get 18 more people in 2018 or 54 and 54 or 84 and 84 or 2018 and 2018. We're not going to be about that. Instead, we're going to be this, multi-generational, multicultural family of disciples that make disciples. We are people who see the importance of multiplying, see the importance of what Christ told us in the Great Commission and commanded us to go and teach obedience to the things that God has taught or the things that Christ has taught. Teach people how to abide in him. Teach people how to respond to insults. Teach people how to, uh, to, how to give of their life. Teach people how to deny self, to take up cross, to follow him. These commandments that Christ has given, that's what the church is supposed to be about. And a good way to identify that, to see if we're moving in that direction, is are we multi-generational? Is what we're doing as a church, does it, is it just for one generation? Are we just taking the 30 to 39, because that's what I'm in, and saying, let's focus on these people? And if so, then we're not representing Christ and his kingdom. And we, we have to look outside of that. Are we saying, let's just focus on the zero to nine-year-olds? We focus all our energy upon those people. That's not what the Bible's about. It's not just for that generation. It's for all generations. So we're multi-generational, multicultural. The kingdom of heaven is not for one culture. It's not for one uh, one race. It's for everyone. And so we, we represent that here in Lovington. And we should look like what, what our community looks like. Not in sin, but in appearance, in, in race. We should look like the community that we're a part of. I'll say it again. If you're fishing in Lee County and you throw a lure in Lee County, and you happen to catch a fish of men, and you catch that, more than likely, 70 to 80% of the time, you're going to catch a Hispanic. That's the numbers of Lee County. And we should match that. 
Not, not that we're setting out just to find Hispanics, but we should look like our community. So we have to make adjustments towards that. How can we help reach and equip those people in, in Lee County, in the area, in the lake that we get to, or the stream that we get to fish in? Zach pointed out uh, an article or some research that he just read uh, last week, and uh, we'll have to look to see uh, the validity of the, the research to make sure it's, it's valid, but we think that it is in our short research of it. But New Mexico got voted 50th among all states in uh, the worst place to raise your family. The worst place in the United States to raise your family, New Mexico got voted 50th. You know there's 49 above us. <laughs> And so if that's the case, well, we can be a part of helping families. We can say, we're going to strategically try and help families. I'll give you some examples of families. There's conventional families, the Leave it to Beaver family. There's families that are calling Mandy right now. There's conventional, there's conventional families. Yeah, it was her mom. I was right. <laughs> there's the conventional families. We, we, see them, we see them around. Though they are less, we still see them. There's blended families, there's step families, there's interracial families, there's single parent families, foster families, adopted families, there's custodial grandparent families, there's the empty nest families, there's families who say, you know what, we're just a married couple, we don't want kids. Somebody else can deal with them. There are those types of families. It, it really is a variety, right? It encompasses all of every race, uh, every gender. Families is what we, can, what we can be about, focusing on how can we equip families? How can we equip the grandparent who's raising the grandkid who never, ever thought they would do that? How can we equip the step family who, who is living in brokenness and it's, their life is full of drama, but how can we help them see the glory of God so that they can be transformed into the likeness of Jesus and bring glory to God even in the midst of their, their own circumstances? How can we help the, uh, the foster families who are raising someone else's kids or the adoptive family who are raising someone else's kids? How can we help them? How can we help the conventional family? How can we help these, how can we help these people? We can look as a church to say we want to do things that will help these families know Christ be transformed in his likeness and bring God glory uh, forever. We can be a part. We can be a part of those things. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about disciples' path that we want to, or, or, or four traits of, of discipleship that we want to kind of help when we say, let's go and make disciples, uh, make disciples of all nations. What does that, what does that look like? We want to make it as simple as possible. So in 2018, you're going to see and hear this a lot. Here's some traits. They're not all the traits. We could list hundreds of them, but here are some simple traits that will help us define, are we making disciples? Are people recognizing the power, authority, and righteousness of Jesus? When, be, when people begin to recognize those things, confession happens. They confess Christ as Lord. They want to, walk, they want to follow through in baptism. They want to walk abiding in Christ. And so we... We think a, a mark or a trait of discipleship is recognition of the power, authority, and righteousness of Jesus. Another trait we want to look at is say, hey, is there unity through love? Are, are people that are saying that they belong to Christ or belong to God, are they displaying unity through love? Faithful proclamation of Christ and his teachings. That's the Great Commission. It's us uh, being evangelizers. It's us sharing the good news, entrusted with the gospel, and sharing the gospel with the world. Do we have people who are doing that? Are you doing that? So it's a trait or a characteristic or a mark of discipleship. 
And then a, a fourth one would be obediently abiding in Christ because of John 15. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. A mark or trait or characteristic of discipleship is people who are ob- obediently abiding in Christ. And so if we can take those four simple things and say, okay, this is what we're looking at. We're going to make disciples who make disciples. What do disciples look like? What do disciples of Jesus look like? Here's four things, simple things. We can expand from there, but here's four th- simple things that we can be focused focused upon. <laughs> You got it? Okay, let's go on to the next thing. I want to remind you again of those four filters of, of ministry um, that we're going to really uh, plug in and play here, right? I'll, I'll be like a former president. Uh, remember that Remember that guy? He was real good. Uh, he, uh, he said something like, no new taxes. Remember that? So here, no new programs. Okay, we're not, we're not going to be about uh, implementing new programs. Instead, we're going to take what we do or what we think we should be doing. We're going to put them through these filters that we've been trying to do and say, here's the four filters. Hey, I'd like to start this. Well, if you put it through those four filters, is it gonna go, will it go through those things? Is it going to create or maintain unity in the church? Is it, gonna, uh, is it a service to God and his kingdom or to the people who need to be a part of God's kingdom? Is it worship of Jesus and Jesus alone? Hey, I want to start a hunting ministry. I want to call it Release Outdoors. Well, who's it going to worship? Well, I think it's going to worship God, but I'm not sure just yet. <laughs> is it going to bring unity? Ah, I, I could see some unity among some men, for sure. Well, who is it service, servicing? It's going to service me, for sure. Equipping, final thing. The church should be about equipping. Equipping folks, equipping God's people to do the work of the ministry. Equipping people how they can be, how they can be showing mercy. How, equipping people how they can uh, show forgiveness or give forgiveness. Equipping step families. Uh, the the Borgers who were here uh, last year talked about a, a study that they're using in South Africa, smart step families. We hope to use that on, on Wednesday nights soon uh, to equip, help equip some step families, some blended families that are going through something that God doesn't really desire for them to go through. wasn't the intentions of their marriage that broke uh, to then remarry, but it is what it is. And so we're going to try and help those people, equip them so that they can, uh, so they can give glory to God in the circumstances that they're in. So we look at those and we say, okay, the things that we're doing are the things that we're doing already. Are, are they doing those things? If we were to put those through those filters, are they doing those things? I'll bring up something that's a little bit of a sore subject because I like to do that. Coffee. I love coffee. Drink it as much as I can until someone tells me I can't. But put it through the put it through those things. We're gonna start a coffee ministry. We're gonna hire baristas. We're gonna have all kinds of cool things. We're gonna invite people in. If we put it through those four four filters, will it be a a ministry of of First Baptist Lovington? I'll let you decide on that. All right. I want to remind you of this, that you and I are a part of a meaningful work. The next slide says this. You and I are part of a meaningful work, all right? You cannot forget that. I think for a long time, all right, hear me out, but I think for a long time we thought the meaningful work was to gather people inside church buildings. If we can just get people inside church buildings, that's a meaningful work. And then what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when people stop gathering in our building? What happens when attendance drops? What happens when Sunday school numbers go low? 
What happens when Disciple Now doesn't have the number of students that we thought would participate in it? When, when we do those things and we minimize the meaningful work that we're actually a part of, we begin to get discouraged. And then we try, like Tozer and many theologians from the past, uh, throw out there to remind us and tell us and, and uh, help us to understand this is not what a church is supposed to be, at, be about. We start looking at ways to entertain or draw people in that has nothing to do with Jesus. But the end goal is, well, the meaningful work that I thought I was a part of was gathering a group of people together and counting and, and putting those numbers and putting it in the paper so everybody could see. And then we realize that's not necessarily the meaningful, the meaningful work. The bottom line is this. The meaningful work that you're a part of is God has always and will always in the future work to his glory. And the meaningful work that you're a part of is every day of your life should be to the glory of God. Everything that you do, every decision that you make, every conversation that you have, every thing that you attend should be to the glory of God. That's the bottom line. Everything that we do should be to the glory of God. That's the meaningful work. And then second is the meaningful work that we're a part of is an ancient work. It has been around before you were born and will be around after you get to go to heaven. It's an ancient work, something that we've been uh, entrusted with that God has allowed us to be a part of. It's an ancient work, so that means it's meaningful. Even if it is, second or the third one, even if it means that you just get to sow seeds of the gospel and never get to reap a harvest, still it is a meaningful work. I mean, the joy of the sower is this, that you have been entrusted with the gospel, and with that, You have a responsibility to sow gospel seeds around the world, around your neighborhood, in your family, with your co-workers. And the joy of the sower is, even if this seed does not produce anything, still I got to sow seeds of the gospel. I got to share the hope. I got to share the hope of Jesus. It's a meaningful work. Maybe someday we get to be a part of the harvest. Maybe it's a small harvest. But still, maybe someday we get to be a part of the harvest. We have to change our mindset and say, what is this meaningful work that I'm a part of? The last part of this meaningful work is this, that you and I are the hope of the world. And I know that sounds weird, but the church is the hope of the world because the church is the representative of Christ, our Savior. And we are a part of a meaningful work representing our Savior, the hope of the world. What we've been entrusted with in jars of clay What we've been entrusted with is so much more valuable than anything that we could ever put our hands upon. It's so much more valuable than any plan that we could come up with. How are we going to do this? Any program? How are we going to do this? The gospel is so much more valuable than any of that. And so we are a part of a meaningful work. We have to remind ourselves of that in your Sunday school classes, in your coffee at the donut shop, uh, in your uh, conversations at home, in your showing of, or display of hospitality, in your decorating the church building, in your meetings, committee meetings, team meetings, deacons meetings, music, youth, disciple now, mission trips, all those things. We have to remind each other we are a part of a meaningful work. This work that we're doing is not for us. This work that we're doing is to glorify Christ in all that he is. All the things that he's done, the thing that he's doing today in my life, and the thing that he's going to do in the future. He is all that matters. And so because of that, we, we are a part of a meaningful work.
just past just this past November. <laughs> The deacons and pastors went on a little retreat over to civils. And uh, one of the things I asked, and we wrote these things on the board, was uh, what are the things that Jesus is about? What are the things that he, he's about? And here's what came up. Morgan, go ahead and put that next slide. Morgan, Mo, Mo put the next slide up there. This is the list. Uh, it's, it's a list of things that um, that deacons and the pastors, along with some people from some deacons and pastor from Cloudcroft, uh, these are some of the things that they came up with. So, what are the things that that we think or we know Jesus is about? They said peace, truth, kindness, meekness, compassion, life, sinners, reconciliation, children, unity, redemption, feeding the hungry, visiting prisoners, forgiveness, restoration, marriages, outsiders. The list could go on, but we we stop there. So then we took this list and we said, okay, uh, if these are the things that Jesus is about and he's the one that we're, we're following, out of that list, let's circle some things that we would say First Baptist Church Lovington, New Mexico is about, just out of that list. These are the things that we know that Jesus is about. What are the things that we think First Baptist Lovington is known for or is basing their life upon? So next slide, Morgan says, these are the things that we circled. It's a shorter list. What are the things that we think First Baptist Church Lovington is about? Truth, kindness, compassion, children, feeding the hungry, and outsiders. Smaller list, though still good things. Thankfully, it wasn't any, uh, thankfully we circled some things and didn't circle, uh, did not not circle uh, anything, but, but we have a list here. It's a, it's a good list. It's a good start, but if Christ is our Lord, shouldn't we be known amongst ourselves and the community that God has placed us in? Shouldn't we be known more about the things, more of the things that Jesus is about? And that's when we say we as a church and as individuals have to minimize the fleeting things and maximize the eternal king. We, we have to put into practice modeling the things that Jesus is about through the four filters, through the four traits, through the mission statement, the vision statement, all those things we say, here's what Jesus is about. And ultimately, that's what my life is about. And I'm going to put those things into practice. So let's talk about 2018 real quickly here. Uh, I'll try and take 10 minutes. Is that okay? Seven minutes. I'll give you seven minutes. I'll time myself. <laughs> seven minutes. I'm going to give you um, some things that I want us to look forward to in 2018, all right? Because um, what I'm about um, is sustained ministry. What I mean by that is us making decisions about how we serve people, how we do church, how we teach Sunday school, or if we have Sunday school, how we do Sunday morning, or if we do Sunday morning, how we do Sunday night, or if we do Sunday night, how we meet on Wednesdays, or if we meet on Wednesdays, what Monday morning looks like, all those things. All those things need to be about sustainable ministry. Ministry that will last. If God is a part, if God's work is ancient and will continue on after you're gone and after I'm gone, we need to be a part of putting things in place that are sustainable things, things that will, that will um, continue on long after we're gone. So sustainable ministry. All right. So, so in that, we're really trying to minimize fleeting things and maximizing the eternal king. More about the things that Jesus is about. So on Wednesday night, we're going to try um, try some things, see if it works. If it doesn't work, we're going to say, you know what, it didn't work, and we're going to 
uh, try something different to do sustainable ministry. We want to try to do some equipping classes for adults on Wednesday night. We talked about this last year, but I think we have some things in place now that we can actually move forward upon this. In, in the next couple of months, I think Libby has kind of somewhat of volunteered for this. I kind of didn't force her, but I said, are you interested? And now we're going to just sign her up and say she is interested. Uh, leading a class, uh, that Smart Step Families class, and see if we can engage in helping and equipping uh, a different type of a different type of family. Some other equipped classes that we can offer on Wednesday nights that might help uh, adults. We have great things in place for our, our, our kiddos and our students, and we want to try and equip more families, more adults. And so look for those equipped classes. If you're interested in helping with something like that, please let me know. We also want to do uh, follow-up and outreach and those types of things on Wednesday nights, using our conference room and the maps and the prayer cards and all those things and, and contacting people, knowing inside and outside the church, uh, hey, we're praying for you. We'd like to help you. We'd like to um, help try and meet some of your needs. We want to continue on with our prayer ministry. I think it's vitally important. I'd actually like to move that to the bride to the Bride of Christ room, the room that, that you guys all label as the Bride room right here, and use that as our prayer room, the Bride of Christ, praying and asking God uh, for Him to continue to move, and use that room as much as we can for for prayer, and use the bulletin board in there, and the and the and the whiteboard uh, to write things down and to to put these things in place so that we're asking God to do a work using us, uh, if so, if His if that would be His will. We're going to have to change up some of the things that we do. We, we tried out a, a full meal for, for all of our, our folks on Wednesday nights, and sometimes that works. Some Wednesdays it works, and sometimes it doesn't. I think it depends on the weather, the moon, the sugar, <laughs> whatever it is. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And we need to be willing to say this isn't, this isn't something changing this or adjusting this or renovating this or whatever the word is to these things isn't going to cause us to go to hell. But it could cause us or help us in our growth and transformation into Christ. We need to be willing to do that. Uh, on Sunday nights, starting uh, next week, uh, I've got a book up here. Some of you already have this, but we're going to go through this book together. So there's uh, several copies. If you don't already have this book, I want you to take this. Um, we're going to go through this book together. And... Um, and it's called Reclaiming Glory, Revitalizing Dying Churches. We're going to talk about if we uh, can see ourselves in this or how we can help churches that we know that might be these churches. And so on Sunday night, starting next week, we'll go through this book together, chapter by chapter, and hopefully come out um, with some things that we can work work through together. So grab that book if you don't already have it. Kind of share it together because there's a limited there's a limited number. Um, so look look forward to that. After that, we're going to work work our way on Sunday nights through some other things we're probably going to meet in the fellowship hall so we can really brainstorm and and hold each other accountable and look towards how god can use us for for his glory uh, we're looking in february to starting a new adult sunday school class to reach some some couples and some younger folks that aren't coming to sunday school john bernard's going to teach that class it's going to have a little bit of a different format than a normal sunday school class or what sunday school has been um, over the past 20 or 30 years, we're going to try and uh, do a different format, borrowing something from a, a church uh, in in um, in Texas, and see if maybe maybe we can uh, utilize that, and maybe it'll help uh, this generation that we're trying to target here uh, for uh, for growth and and for transfer transformation. So pray for that new Sunday school class. We want to continue our partnership this year um, with the West Malaysia, trying to reach that unreached people group. I want you to really pray hard for the zero to one. Praying that the McElravies, um, would, 
would be able to plant those gospel seeds and that somebody might come to know uh, the Lord within that zero to one uh, or within that, that people that people group. David Shaw and I are going to go in April to West Malaysia to help Chris with an event that he's putting on. Um, it's April 10th through the... Or, April 10th through the 17th, so pray for that. Uh, we want to open that up to more people. Uh, he, IMB missionaries are given the task to find five partnering churches, five churches that will partner with them in the ministry. Some of those are going churches. Some of those are just sending support churches. Some of those are just prayer support. I'm not saying just. Some of those are just prayer support churches. And, uh, and I want our church to be a part of all that. I want us to be giving and sending and going and praying for the macrobes. I think that we can do that. I think by going on these things, uh, being obedient and abiding in Christ, you you and my growth and maturity in Christ can be uh, so impacted and we can continue to um, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We've got one minute. Here's your one number for 2018. It's similar to last year's number, if you remember it at all. Last year's number, the only number I gave you for numerical growth that we want, is one. We want you to make one disciple this year. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to make one disciple this year. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a fellow church member that has never been discipled, that has not dis- dis- display- does not display any of those traits that we listed up there and you can say hey let's meet let's go through god's word let's see what christ has commanded let me help you teach you how to be obedient to christ and to christ alone or maybe it's one future believer maybe it's a neighbor a lost person that you know a co-worker maybe it is a family member that you know that it's not a believer it's not a disciple of jesus that's lost that's going to be eternally separated from God. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but I think it is an indictment on the church when we, when we are more concerned with our fellow believers leaving and going to be with God in heaven than we are about lost people who are dying and will eternally be separated from God. And I'm not saying our whole life has to be has to be about that, but we should have some kind of concern towards that. And when we minimize fleeting things and maximize the eternal King, and we grow in our relationship with Jesus, and we see not only His kingship and His authority, but the but the real beauty of Him, the sovereignty of Him, His mercy, His forgiveness, His unconditional love his compassion, his empathy to step inside our shoes and to walk a sin-free life only to die a sinner's death and to bear the weight of the wrath of God upon his shoulders just so that you and I and the rest of the world could be in God's presence forever. Surely God's church, the people that belong to him, would be about fulfilling the mission of God that Christ would be, be made known throughout the entire world, that just not Malaysians and just not Lee County people or Texans or Oklahomans or New Mexicans or Oregonians who can't pump gas, 
but instead that every tongue and every tribe and every nation would worship Jesus because he's the only one worthy of that. I'm going to end there. There are some updates I'd like to make to our building. We can talk about that later because those are fleeting things that will go away. But I want us to be about I want us to be about Jesus and Jesus alone. All right? So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. You didn't clap. If, if Trump gets claps the 28th or whatever, I'm going to be calling you guys and be like, man, you guys, maybe I will get a toupee. We are part of a meaningful work. I want us to encourage one, each, each other towards that. Us being used for, for God's glory throughout the world, but specifically here in, in Lovington. Man, what an awesome privilege it is that God has entrusted us with the gospel. Let me pray for us and then Brian will lead us in one song. God, thank you so much for, for your truth. I thank you for um, the fact that throughout Scripture we see that Christ is central, that the good news is if one is saved this year through our work, God, you are praised. And the good news is that you are sovereign. And if you choose to use us for that, we rejoice. But God, if your will is for us to only encourage each other and only grow in our relationship with you, we should rejoice in that also. But God, help us to have a concern and a passion for Christ and Christ alone and let that bleed into your how we neighbor, how we gather together, how we extend compassion to someone at McDonald's or Burger Builders, how we extend forgiveness and we look towards reconciliation with other church members as well as family members or people in the community for the glory of Christ. God, I thank you for the opportunity to hear from you through your word and the opportunity that you give me and the others in this room to respond to you. So God, would you help us through your Holy Spirit to be convicted of our sin and quick to repent? God, would you help us through your Holy Spirit to listen to your words and be quick to put those into action? God, would you help us through your Holy Spirit to be slow to speak and quick to listen to you. God, will you help us to be like your creation is? And that every part of us gives glory and honor to you because you're worthy of that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.